Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Danny and Dusty with you. Joining us now, we are very pleased to have the investigative reporter for Insider.com. Bradford, William Davis, kind enough to take it a few minutes for us. How you doing, man? Thanks for taking the time out of your day. Yo, uh, Danny, really, really uh, happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Um, I guess where we're going to start, you had an awesome piece up at Insider.com. We have linked to it um, on at Danny and Dusty on Twitter if you want to go and you want to look at it. But you teamed up with Meredith Willis um, to dive into (laughs) what seems to be a problem going away in Major League Baseball. Um, I remember Rob Manfred talking about uh, how... Baseballs will be consistent in 2022. Uh, and what uh, you and Meredith Willis kind of uh, dove into was whether or not that was accurate or not. Uh, on the on the surface, and the article goes into such great detail, we could sit here all day and I don't know if we're going to get through all of the details. <laughs> but on the surface, what did you and Meredith find when you were looking at baseballs across Major League Baseball? Yeah, so to very quickly set the stage, last year in our investigation for Insider as well, which you can read, um, we basically found that Major League Baseball had been using two different balls, using and manufacturing two different balls in the 2021 season, as well uh, for that matter, two thousand uh, Basically, so uh, one was uh, heavier than the other, and the way that uh, heavy, you know, the way that the Major League Baseball had created the heavy and light ball, um, you know, would uh, result in performance changes based on on you know um, which ball you get heavier, heavier meaning like you know if it travels further up the track of the bat. So uh, that's something we found in 2021. MLB was like, yeah, we did it, but it was because of COVID. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the juice ball, seriously, that was the, I'm giving a, a paraphrase, but that was the answer Rob Manfred gave me this summer. It's like, yeah, it's because of COVID, supply chain, yada, yada. That's why all these, uh, you know, leftover juice balls had to, had to appear in 2021. Anyway, we still found some of those in circulation, as well as the dead ball, the deader ball, the lighter ball that MLB has um, committed to you know, in some of their public comments since Meredith and I have been working on this. But uh, what we also found was a ball about one gram heavier than the dinner ball. Remember, the way Major League Baseball adjusts baseball, um, you know, a uh, lifting it, making it heavier does make it, you know, travel, does make the ball travel farther. Anyway, so that one gram heavier ball, we're calling it the Goldilocks ball because it's kind of like right in the middle between dead and juice. So not too heavy, not too light, not too dead, not too juice. You know what I'm saying? Just right. <laughs> and, uh, and we found... We, you know, we, we found, a, you know, a, about 18, 20% of our, of our balls this year, the largest sample we ever had uh, total throughout the season, which included the playoffs, were, you know, fit in this category. And not only that, the same methodology that we used to find two different baseballs and show that it wasn't just random variation, but actually they were making, you know, heavy balls one week, light balls the next, and, and those production weeks didn't overlap. We found the same thing. These Goldilocks balls that were all made in different weeks that did not overlap with the dead ball. So, so uh, you know, that was kind of the finding we, we found this year. Um, the league has a position, but the data is the data. Wow. In layman's terms, <laughs> can you describe what the difference is between these basically three sets of balls, the Goldilocks balls, the dead balls, and the juice balls? How much 
more efficiency or less efficiency, what real change is there between these balls? Because in full disclosure, Dusty over here is an Astros fan, so he's a big fan of cheating. Yep. Um, Not a fan of the cheating. Uh, <laughs> have, have come to just like accept it, and there, there, there certainly feels to be with the way Major League Baseball has handled this situation, or not handled it publicly or privately, that there is a level of efficiency gained or lost depending on the higher end, low end, or the the supposed Goldilocks balls. Like, what differences are we actually talking about fundamentally? <laughs> well. You know, I can't speak to the exact sort of, like, distance between a Goldilocks ball, a dead ball, and a juice ball hit exactly the same way. Like, that is something that is above my pay grade and require, like, you know, a lab to test. But what I can say is that the construction of the ball was changed in a way that's consistent with making it less dead, you know, referring to the Goldilocks ball, making it less dead off the bat. So, um, so when you factor in that when Major League Baseball has, you know, again, explicitly said the, you know, the lighter ball, a.k.a. the dead ball, is the one that we are committing to. These balls that we found that were a gram heavier, you know, are juice relative to that dead ball. So have you found out kind of how the distribution took place then because of the fact that, I mean, you mentioned three different balls in circulation. They're all kind of different. How was there rhyme or reason to where these balls were distributed to um, as far as, you know, were were they American League, National League? How how was the distribution of the three different balls placed throughout Major League Baseball? Well, I guess first of the important the important disclaimer, our you know, our, our 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 study can't be completely representative because we haven't you know, we don't have baseballs in every single park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major League Baseball is a part of that, <laughs> which which I'm sure we'll get to in our conversation. But, you know, we get what we can, we get them from where we can get them. But what we found was that there did appear to be some sort of relationship between the, where the Goldilocks ball was found. That was not true in last year's study. Last year, it seemed, you know, there was no, like, you know, signal in the noise as far as where juice or dead balls are going, right? At least, at least within our sample. This year, what we found was that um, in the regular season, almost every single ball uh, used was dead except for balls we found uh, connected to the Yankees games. Um, like that, and that was, you know, pretty odd. And of course, there's some, some qualifiers there. Like we found that commemorative balls are commemorative stamps. So whether that's all-star game, home run derby, or say like the Texas Rangers celebrating the 15th anniversary. So they have some balls that have stamps on them as well. You know, uh, we found that a few of those also were, you know, were in, were Goldilocks weights and Goldilocks weeks, but, you know, production weeks. But yeah, the, you know, as far as unmarked, unstamped balls, almost, you know, and not almost every single one of them was dead, except for ones we found, you know, uh, with the Yankees. So anecdotally, one could say that when you're looking at anniversary balls or the Yankee balls where you're talking about, I don't know, potentially juicing some sort of attention around something, uh, whether it be an anniversary or, I don't know, Aaron Judge, that could be something that popped know, up, Aaron huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, which is, you know, admittedly one of the reasons why we found, we found it notable. Obviously not conclusive, but notable, mm-hmm. right, given that, uh, you know, that the data shows quite quite clearly that the Yankees were a team that was hitting off of a of a ball that um, you know in, is likely to travel further than the ball that MLB says is is the ball that they've been used. You know, so that was you know that that is notable and important. Obviously, we I cannot say that you know Aaron Judge or any of his 62 home runs were Goldilocks you know Goldilocks balls, but his team certainly received them and certainly played with them. 
And then uh, one, one other addendum to that as well is that in the postseason, we found a significant change, at least within our, within our sample, of what balls are being used, where almost every ball we got was Goldilocks, you know, rather than, you know, um, it being mostly dead like it was in a regular season. So, uh, so that was another, you know, big finding that we had this year that, again, we did not have any sort of data with which to, you know, illustrate or represent last year. Now, I mean, one of the things that you mentioned before and is, is outlined in the – in the uh, research that you guys have done is that whether it's all-star week or commemorative balls or those postseason balls, those are, the, those are all kind of, they have something stamped on them. Is the weight difference, is it as much as just a stamp or are you talking the core within the ball is where the weight difference is, is found? Right. That, that it's, it's not about the stamp that, you know, the, the stamp has, the, the stamp is uh, purely aesthetic. It is, you know, but it's what's happening on the inside. That uh, that counts, right? And that's uh, changes to the, the to the to the to the winding within inside the baseball that leads to heavier or lighter baseballs. Okay, follow up on that one then is. I mean, what has baseball's reaction been? Because um, this is something, and it appears to be a, a problem and a story that just won't go away. Which is, you have a variety of baseballs that are in play in different ballparks. Man, it's a, I, I would love to know to to, to uh, know the conversations going on in the commissioner's office, but I'll tell you what they told us, and that was that uh, you know basically our, our you know our, it was completely wrong, uh, and that they you know and that there's only one baseball that they manufactured anything that falls outside of you know um, the ball that MLB is, as in the past described as the ball they want to use is purely random variance again, but again the data is the data. We found differences depending on the week that you were, the week of the production date that you were looking um, at a baseball, you know, like an interaction date. So that is, you know, so there is that that is that is systematic. That's one thing. And the second thing is what they provided to us, along with the comments straight from the commissioner's office, um, was, you know, a uh, excuse me, a, you know, where a couple of sci- a couple of researchers rather in uh, MLB's partner labs, one in the University of Washington, one in uh, University of Massachusetts, Massachusetts Lowell you know, people who have been studying the ball in conjunction with Major League Baseball for the last few years. And so, and both of them said that, you know, based on our studies, we see no evidence of uh, multiple balls, certainly not a third. Um, I actually went and clarified with one of the, one of the researchers as, as to the methodology, because, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're just talking science, right? I got no ego about this. And so I was like, so can you explain, can you explain the methodology that you guys uh, use with which to, you know, determine what was what, right? And, and, and what, what data you were researching. And for the most part, they said, hey, we can't comment on it until Major League Baseball gives us approval. <laughs> they said, well, you know, uh, the researcher over at, at UMass Lowell, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll get back to you, know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to you from the league or whatever. Maybe, maybe the committee gave back to me to say you look into it. I haven't heard back from him yet. Mm. But one thing that he did share that was really important was that, the, um, was that they did not study postseason baseball. And that's really, you know, again, that's crucial because half of our Goldilocks sample came from the postseason. Mm. So, so the data, so basically what he admitted was that the data that, that Major League Baseball, you know, and them were studying is, just, is different than the, than the uh, data that Meredith Wills was studying. And if you're going to look at different data, of course you're going to get different results. I, I'm just, I, I just, I, I find it hard to find, to, to see how you would, you know, get the same findings. And, and you know, and, and I would imagine that you would want to try and replicate the methodology to see if it's true or not. But what Major League Baseball did instead was knowing that our study was looking at different information, they still denied it and used science, you know, or quote-unquote science, <laughs> to, uh, to back it up. 
there's something in here that early on in the article uh, that was really, really interesting to me. It, and it kind of shapes the entire discussion around this, considering where MLB is at in analytics, uh, being kind of at the forefront of bringing in astrophysicists and, and rocket scientists and, and, and high-level thinkers in the world who are dealing with spin rates, launch angles, exit velocities, all of this hardcore math. And Alan Nathan, who a, was a league commission physicist, the quote you guys have in here is, he said, the specs on Major League Baseball, they almost don't deserve to be called specs. They're so loose that the range of performance from the top end to the bottom end is so different. How is it in a world in baseball, and I don't know if you guys have asked this question, that those requirements, that those specs are so far apart in a sport where measurement is so, so key when you're talking about whether it's dealing directly with pitching or with hitting. My guy, I'm glad you said that. The, uh, the rules, the, the major league baseball rules are broad enough that you can have three different baseballs that do three different things and they're all legal. Um, again, <laughs> this is insane. Know, many people, <laughs> many people, especially players who call that, you know, have often told me that's problematic as, as, a, as a real issue. Because, you know, uh, you are changing the statistical environment with which baseball is played and or which, you know, they make their money off of. Front office workers have told me it's problematic as well. You know, especially without, you know, especially without any sort of disclosure, which is what, you know, every front office executive I spoke to told me uh, was that they didn't hear anything about any sort of manufacturing or process changes here. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that is arguably something that could, you know, that maybe could be a way of really getting, getting past this is just by simply tightening the sex. So that, like, you know, um, truly you have, like, one baseball that can be used. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's even still defensible, and this is just my opinion here, for Major League Baseball to want to try and search for a baseball that does what, it, what they want it to do. You know, whether, whether, they, want, whether they find it, the, the league becoming too offensive pitching heavy. So long as you're disclosing it to every person who has their – or industry that has a financial stake in, um, in how the baseball forms. And there are many industries that do. Well, uh, Bradford, surely if everything is on the up and up with Major League Baseball, they they wouldn't mind one bit if you guys had the help of some players in this study, right? Yeah, but you know, um, obviously, I, I got you know, I had to be, to be super careful with my sources here. Um, but like you know, but one person who did speak speak to this was actually Austin Slater. He's an outfielder in the San Francisco Giants and a starting outfielder, um, and a good player who's you know um, also a, a leader in the union. He found out about our article last year. He wanted to help out. Um, he uh, reached out to Dr. Wills, and he was en route to sending some baseballs to her uh, so that she could have, again, the most complete, robust sample of, of, uh, of data with which she was to do, do a study again. Uh, when she, um, you know, sorry, rather, when, you know, as it gets, this was happening, uh, somehow Major League Baseball found out. They uh, reached back out to him, and they told him, uh, hey, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. Please read the article. Don't give baseballs to, 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 to Meredith. Uh, we don't really trust our science here. Uh, trust our labs are better. And uh, by the way, if uh, we find baseball is getting sent out to, I guess, illicit, illicit uh, you know, third parties, uh, we, you know, may fire people. Oh. And so he was like, all right, well, message received. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And so we actually did not get any baseballs from the Giants, save for one that Meredith happened to be at a, at a Giants game and, and the guy next to her. Caught the caught a ball or a foul ball or something like that, and uh, gave it to her. Uh, and so uh, that was like the only that was the only San Francisco Giants day that we got all year. Um, you know, so that was disappointing. 
but I think it is quite, you know, I think it illuminates a problem, which is, which is again, about disclosure. The one of the last questions I've got for you is the the specificity of the Goldilocks balls and when they were produced. There's there's this line because they're, they're all batch coded, and the fact that they, you could trace back to when basically all these Goldilocks balls are made, and they're all basically made around the same time period, that has to elicit at least more than a dozen more questions about the process and where things are at, because if they're all being done in this ba- essentially the same batches or same time span, Major League Baseball has to be aware, don't they? You know, you would think, man. I mean, um, <laughs> and that's a, I think that's the beautiful that's, that, that's the beauty of Dr. Wood's methodology is that it's not just weight. So you can't just say like, oh, we we we're, we are very bad at making baseballs, which is how you get, why you see all the variants. So <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but that. You see, like, you know, one weight this week and, and, you know, one weight average, I should say, this week and another weight average that week and yet a third <laughs> of these other weeks uh, when you go back to that juice ball that you see manufactured and is you know, apparently not anymore. But still, um, that is, you know, that's, that's the beauty of the methodology. And, and, and one of the things that we actually got to build some reporting on is some of the logistics of how baseballs are delivered. Um, and uh, not, only, not, not only are they delivered, but, uh, but the reports back to the league. Uh, I spoke to, you know, someone, you know, to a source who was familiar with how uh, game compliance monitors, those are the people who make sure no one's like sticky stuffing or sign stealing or anything like that. Um, they, um, they send a, there, there is a code on uh, the red Rollins boxes that, you know, that get shipped to teams, uh, you know, and it's unique to that box. And they, what they do is they send that box back to Major League Baseball so that Major League Baseball knows, um, you know, what balls were, were used before a game starts. So, I mean, to me, though I have not personally cracked that code, it, seems, it at least suggests some level of information about what baseball is being played before a game starts. Wow. Bradford William Davis, investigative reporter for Insider.com. Uh, go check it out. We have tweeted it out at Danny and Dusty mm-hmm. on our socials at 1080 The Fan. And also go give him a follow. It is uh, at BWD, BWD. BWD. That is a mouthful of a Twitter handle, but uh, we're getting it done, man. This is it, it's in, in awesome to follow. It's I can incredible do hours of this. Like, yeah, this this is right up my nerd alley. And you have you have probably pissed off Rob Manfred more than you'll ever know. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the time. Hey, Rob knows what my number is, man. If you want to hash it out, you know. I love it. Thank you for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Anytime, anytime. There he is, Bradford William Davis. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.